Hello? Hi, it's Robert. Do you want to be on the show? Never call me again. Hello, welcome. My name is Robert, and this is Never Call Me Again. Nate Otto is primarily known for his dense and illustrative cityscapes on panels. Nate has also been developing multiple painting styles of his own for years. Let's give him a call. Hello? Nate, hello, how are you? Hey, how, how's it going, Robert? Good. It's going great. Um, welcome to the show. Thank you, thank you for having me. And so... Tell us a little bit about you. And so we, we know that you're an artist and, and we know that your work is amazing. And, and so I guess my, my biggest question is what inspires you to, to create the cityscapes? And, and just tell us about yourself a little bit. Okay. Well, uh, I have been an artist my whole life. And uh, for a long time, I had been comfortable with the notion of just doing it on the side while having a job. Um, but at a certain point, it just became pointless. It seemed to me to, to do it on the side anymore. I wanted to make it the central focus of my life. And cause you know, you, you only live once. And, uh, so I just really went for it about maybe 10 years ago. I started making work, um, just really dedicating myself to making work. And like I said, I'd always been an artist. I've always made, made art. I've done, always done creative things, but, uh, it just became time to just really, uh, go for it as a career and uh so i started working really hard and this the style with uh the cityscape just kind of evolved out of other work i was doing earlier work i've done in my life i was i was doing abstract paintings at one time i did a lot of cartooning when i was younger and i've been inspired by lots of different art from all sorts of different worlds but uh the the building thing just kind of it just kind of de- happened and I just pushed it and uh now I just I really uh push myself to make work every day um I try to finish a piece every day if I can um I just kind of came up with the attitude that uh only good things will happen if I work really hard and make a lot of really good work and uh before I really dedicated to doing that I was always very frustrated with feeling like I was on the outside of things like I was never going to be sophisticated or clever enough to uh, capture the attention of the art world or whatever. But at a certain point, I just decided to just make work that would be undeniable. If I make it, it doesn't matter how sophisticated I am or how likable I am or how interesting my backstory is, if the work could speak for itself. And um, I've pursued that and it's worked out pretty well for the last few years. Your work absolutely speaks for itself. And so you are, you are actually probably in like my top five favorite artists. And, um, you know, and everybody I know is an artist. Pretty much all of my friends are an artist. Art is, is kind of always been my thing. And, and, and so to look at your work, you know, what I, what I really enjoy about your work is that it is so different from what, pretty much everybody else is doing it. Um, it definitely, um, you know, and so, you know, you, you said, it, well, you know, it's these cityscapes. And so we've talked about that a little bit. And, and these are not Norman Rockwellish paintings. These are, these are influenced 
by definitely by the the cartooning from from your youth and they're just unbelievable they seem to be some of your work seems to be politically charged it it seems to be very relevant to the times well i'm yeah when things bubble up to the surface i'm yeah, I'm I'm a liberal liberal persuasion. Um, I'm a staunch believer in Black Lives Matter, and and yeah, I I feel like um, these times are such a crazy time. I feel very fortunate and very privileged to be in the situation that I'm in. That is, I have an ability to make statements. I do, but for the most part, like I, uh, yeah, my work is just my work. I, uh, you, I I I don't try to dictate too much about what it means or what I'm trying to say. I just make it. And, I, and there's lots of things I'm, I'm thinking about when I'm doing it, but uh, really that's up to the viewer as far as I'm concerned. I don't get asked to talk about my work very often, which in some ways is kind of frustrating, but in other ways it's kind of like, I just want the work to speak for itself. Like I'm well into my forties. I'm not hip. I'm not cool. <laughs> um, I'm not great at speaking necessarily. I'm not somebody that, you know, when, when people meet me, they're not like, oh my God, that, that's, that guy's going to make it. I, I don't have that kind of presence. Um, I kind of hide behind my work. And, uh, you know, recently, like, my, I guess, you know, at certain times, my work will become more p- politically relevant. Like, uh, during the election time, you know, I, I, I'm, like I said, I'm a liberal and I live in Chicago, which is a very liberal place. And I feel like everyone I am surrounded with is pretty much in agreement about things with me. Uh, but that is obviously not the case in the country at large. And we're seeing right now in the news, if you pay attention to what's happening right now, kind of crazy. Um, so yeah, I, I, I've addressed that a little bit in my art, but, uh, for the most part, like I'm just doing my thing and like in my work, I draw from many different influences, but I'm really kind of in my own lane. You, You pay the compliment that my work is unique. Well, like I'm really just kind of, pursuing my own direction i'm not a street artist i'm not like a high art fine art world artist not a folk artist i went to art school um my art isn't really dark it's not really all that challenging um it's just it is what it is and i and i'm doing that and uh it's funny to me i show in a lot of of street art galleries and folk art galleries and I'm, i'm neither of those things i'm just just here doing my own thing and uh, I, whatever open avenues open up for me, I'm I'm happy to pursue. But uh, mainly, I'm just I'm just making the work, and uh, hopefully, and, and and the strategies work pretty well. Like if I make the work, opportunities have come my way. For sure, and and so you've had some you've had some amazing opportunities. There's there's been some mural murals, um, solo show at Vertical Adventureland. Um, I think you even went overseas at one point, um, participated in a, a show over there. Um, I've I've had a, a couple of pieces in like really small shows. I was supposed to have a show in Belgium uh, this spring, but it got canceled. Um, and I'm not sure if that's going to happen in the future. And in terms of like the murals and the and the shows I've had, like really, I'm mostly just making work, and you know like things just come my way. Like I've, I've had the fortunate opportunity to work for some really big clients, you know, Nike, Warby Parker, Facebook, et cetera. 
and pretty much all those things they just I just get an email one day and this opportunity um, I learned that uh applying for things I don't apply for grants I don't apply for anything like applying like reaching out to companies that I want to work with nothing ever comes of it so um my strategy has just been to to make the work um the uh the show at vertical was a great opportunity that was about well six years ago now um and i i've done i think three solo shows at gallery f um that's who i've been working with for the last couple of years and we're going to do a show this year as soon as um as soon as the environment is it's possible to do a show i'm not really interested in doing a virtual show right um so um as soon as as soon as we're able to go out in public again safely, I'm going to be doing a show at Gallery F. Um, and in turn, like I really entered this year not knowing, for the most part, like what shows I was going to do. Um, and it's kind of worked out okay for me professionally because it enabled me to sell work directly to people once once everything happened and we went to a pandemic mode. Um, so I don't have to like in the past. I mean, you know, I would sell things through galleries, but I wouldn't want to sell it too. I wouldn't want to push it too hard on my own because I didn't want to undermine the galleries. But, you know, when you're not working with any galleries, you don't have to worry about that. Like today, I, I, I'm like, I'm trying to sell a piece, an old piece on Instagram that uh, uh, if I was working with a gallery, I might be shy about that because I, you don't want to undercut their prices. But to me, like to find a, like a six-year-old painting that I haven't thought about in years and uh, it's sitting in a box, it's worthwhile for me to to try to sell it for just a little bit of money to make someone else appreciate it, you know? Um, so yeah, really just doing my own thing, trying as hard as I can. I'm kind of surprised that you have a, a six year old painting laid around because, and so I went to your website and, and I follow you on Instagram and, you know, and I'll see a piece and I'm like, Oh wow, this is amazing. And, and so there's this, there's this post and, and you're talking about the piece and, you know, there's like, you know, several hundred likes and at the very bottom of it, it is sold. And I'm like, why are they all sold? And so then I discovered, you know, I'm, I'm nosing around your Instagram and I discovered that you have this really good, well done website. And so I'm like, oh, okay, well, cool. I can just go here and look. And again, sold, sold, sold. And I'm just like, man. And, and so it kind of made me feel good. It made me feel vindicated. Like, you know, you know, art is very subjective. And, and so, you know, what, what one person may like another person doesn't, but it's kind of reassuring when you like someone's work so much and you see that everybody else is, is, you know, they're, they're feeling it. They're, they're understanding and, and it's, it's, it, means whatever it means to them they resonate with these pieces in whatever way they resonate and it's it's just flying off the shelves um well i feel really fortunate that the style i like to make is a style that's it's fairly accessible to most people and also my, my price points aren't out of reach you know like i i sell these little eight by eight panels um almost daily and you know, I'm selling them for 150 to $200, which is a price that is approachable. I'm not selling a million dollar painting. Um, that's a big part of it. I know there's, there's artists that are better than me, but their work is maybe more challenging and, and not as saleable. And I'm, 
I'm not like I'm. It's not like I'm making work for the market. It's just the work I happen to make is something that appeals to a lot of people, and I'm really lucky for that. Yeah, absolutely, and and so I'm going to I'm going to keep stalking your website and your Instagram until I I find a piece and. You know him, know him, hawing. I'm just, you know, when I find the piece that I want and it's available, I'm, I'm just gonna buy it. Um, you're yeah, work- the little ones, the little ones go pretty quick. The, the more expensive <sighs> ones tend to stick around for a little while longer. But it's also interesting to me too. Sometimes I go to my own website to like, because I, I make so much work. Um, sometimes I go to my own website and I, I'm reminded of, like, oh, I completely forgot about that one. And uh, you know, going into this year, I probably had you know well over a hundred paintings lying around and I don't know what I have now, but it's certainly less than I had before. Um, I've been, I've been really fortunate and, you know, selling, selling directly to people. I don't have, I, I get to keep a hundred percent of that, which is great. Uh, so I, I've been really fortunate. Um, this, this year has been such a challenging year for so many people. And, uh, you know, my wife is upstairs teaching a ballet class right now. Uh, she's she's been teaching from home. I used to have a studio outside of my house, and now um, I have a studio in my basement, and it's been working out really well. But I'm I'm well aware of how how lucky I am, and I've been you know as a as a consequence, I've I've given away more money this year than I've ever been able able to do before because it just has really hit home how lucky I am to be in the situation that I'm in. Um. To, to have a job where I, I just go down to my basement and I make art. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't go anywhere. <laughs> I don't go to the grocery store. Uh, I pretty much just hang out with my, my wife and my young kid and, you know, our parents and our, and I make art. That's all I do. Yeah. You, we haven't been anywhere since March. I mean, I think we, we've, we went to the park and, um, and it was pretty sparse. It was like the last day of, you know, close to the last day of summer. It was nice out. You know, no one was close to us. And, and it was unbelievable because we don't go anywhere. And it's it's odd to me, you know. And so I, I'm retired. I have ALS. And so I don't have the physical capability to create anymore. And, and so now I'm doing this. But, um, you know, I had I had quite a bit of work at the beginning of the pandemic. And the majority of it is gone. And I'm like, well, I thought yeah. everybody was broke. Um, so, you know, obviously we've tapped into those, those people who aren't broke. Um, well, it's, a, it's such a weird, it's such a weird time because, you know, some people have been so profoundly affected. Like, I don't know the percentages, but you know, everybody in the service industry, anybody performing arts, like their jobs have been reduced to zero. And then there's a big segment of the population whose incomes haven't been affected at all. They're just at home, you know, they're remotely going to work. Um, so there's going to be a real reckoning for that when things start opening up and if there's such an imbalance. And you people didn't do anything to, you know, like I used to think that restaurateur was a really good job. You know, these people, they didn't do anything to deserve this. It just happened and this is how it played out. And it's, it's affected people really unequally. That, that phrase that was going around the a lot early on in the pandemic, we're all in this together. That was a nice notion early on, but it has really proven itself to not be really true. Uh, people have suffered uh, very differently. Some people it's been a minor inconvenience, and for others it's been just catastrophic. And that's just on the financial front. 
you know, like we're not even touching on the fact that almost 400,000 people have lost their lives in, in the United States. So, uh, yeah, there's going to be a lot of reckoning when, uh, in six months or whenever things get back to relatively normal where we can go out again without fearing. Yeah. The fallout has been absolutely unbelievable. I was, a I was a chef for 30 years and, and so I've ran some restaurants and you know, the, the thing is, is you, you think that, you know, a business owner, you know, you're a restaurateur, you, you own a nightclub, you know, whatever the case may be, you think, oh, they're just making money hand over fist. And, you know, it's, it's 850 to a million to, to run, uh, a medium sized restaurant or bar for a year. Um, you know, the overhead, the capital that you need each year is just unbelievable. We recently did a, a show with, um, situation Chicago, um, quiet pterodactyl and, um, they, um, and so they, they get that. They understand that this fallout is, is going to be so much bigger than each of us individually. Um, it's going to affect us all and it's going to affect us in ways that we may not understand for years. It, it's, it's going to affect some of us very quickly and very, very obviously. Um, you know, and so they, um, quiet pterodactyl sells, um, they sell t-shirts that local artists, um, local artists will submit a, 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 a piece. They put it on the shirt and it, it helps support all that. I would love to have one of your pieces on a shirt, not trying to sell you on anything. I'm just saying, if <laughs> no, you I, ever do it, I, so let me know. Okay. Yeah. That just reminded me. I, I have a shirt that I owed to somebody. I was like, oh man. I just, like, yeah, I, I want to, I just dropped one of my AirPods here. Um, can you hear me? I can. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, I just, I, I helped at bookstore with a shirt design. Oh, I'm doing a shirt design to help streetwise. Um, but yeah, I, I need to do more shirts and I like having them around too. I, I, I did that for a while. I would design shirts and I'd sell them, but uh, you know, you, profit-wise, it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't that great for me. But uh, I need, I need to get back back into it because I like having shirts. My designs on them too. Do you ever do you ever walk down the street and see somebody wearing one? Um, I I I've seen pictures of people wearing my like like Urban Outfitters did a, a t-shirt design, which is kind of a you know, they're not such a great company, but uh, it's, it's funny. I've seen pictures of people at art openings wearing my t-shirts and stuff. It's like, that's interesting. Or I'll run <laughs> into a friend that's like wearing a t-shirt. Um, and I wear my own design sometimes. I know some artists don't do that, but I don't care. You know, pretty, pretty much all of my, my t-shirts are, were designed by me because, you know, I don't buy that many t-shirts. And, you know, I, when I do do a design for someone else, I get a couple of t-shirts in exchange. Um, so my, my t-shirt drawer is pretty much all my designs. Nice. nice. So what's the, and so you have this, you have this, this love of pizza and a disdain for dibs. And uh, are we talking about when we say dibs, are we talking about, I have dibs on that? No, we're t- <laughs> you've done some research. Uh, just, I, you know, I like to rail around against the, uh, you know, when it snows out and people shovel up their, uh, spot and they put a lawn chair out there. I'm not, I'm not such a big fan of that. To me, it's just kind of selfish. But, you know, it's mostly a joke. It's not that big of a deal. 
actually recently uh i lived up in in wicker park logan square generally the near northwest side for 22 years and then in march at the beginning of the pandemic my wife and child and i moved down to beverly we bought a house down in beverly um which is a neighborhood on the far southwest side of chicago so uh I have a driveway and a garage now, so I don't care about Disney anymore. I guess. <laughs> nice. Um, it was a self. It was a selfishly motivated uh, passion of mine, but it was mostly just a joke. But uh, it can be really frustrating if you live in a neighborhood where you rely on street parking, and there's just not enough parking spots. If everybody, uh, if everybody saves their parking spot when there's a couple inches of snow, people be like, "Oh, I, I spent three hours digging out that parking spot." Really? Like. It really doesn't take three hours to dig out of the parking spot, but whatever. We have a a family member, and I think she, in Chicago, and I think she lives in the Andersonville area, Wicker Park somewhere, and um, constant parking tickets. Um, And so you, you know, if you're lucky enough to find a spot to park, um, you you have to be really aware of, of, you know, can I park here? How long can I park here? What day can I park here? Um, Absolutely. definitely sucks. Um, yeah, well, at our old place, we used to live at Augusta and Western and, uh, you know, for many years we lived there and, uh, we didn't have any personalized parking. So we'd buy on street parking and it, it affects like, well, should I go to the store? Or should I go to that place? Cause like, Oh, I'm going to have to find parking later on. And you know, it's definitely a consideration. That's kind of a joke to, uh, me because I'm, I'm not from this neighborhood but like one of the, the things that people from this far south side neighborhood is like, well, like you want to go up the north side like where are you going to park you know <laughs> um but uh yeah it's definitely a consideration like we are still in the city and uh but uh, it's a much more uh pastoral part of the city than what i'm used to um much more dense up on the northwest side and uh it's an adjustment, but the interesting thing is we moved down here in mid-March, basically right at the beginning of like when the pandemic was really becoming real. So I don't really know what it's like to live down here in normal times, and I don't know what it's like to live up there uh, during the pandemic. So it's just been a, a new experience all around. Yeah, you know, we and so we moved in March, like the first week of March, um, moved into a new house, um, brand new neighborhood. And it never occurred to me that, you know, we have no idea, but we, I think we kind of do. And so last, this last summer, you know, middle of a lockdown neighbor, two, two yards away, has got a pool and the pool is packed and there are cars in their driveway. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Um, yeah, yeah just really, we're pretty liberal too. And, and so just unbelievable. And so we're, you know, we're stuck on our back deck and, you know, they've got the music going and the the pool parties and I'm just like, you know, people are dying. Um, Yeah. The world is devastated and you're having a party. Yeah, it's scary. And like, I, instead of like, I don't, I've just decided to not be too frustrated over other people's actions. Like I, what I can do is control uh, what I do. And, um, you know, my wife is even more careful than I am, but like, we are pretty, we're pretty comfortable in the fact that like, we're not going to get sick because we don't really have to go anywhere. And, uh, what's really disappointing is when we see people, you know, that don't really have to go anywhere. Like they have money, they're, they're in a good situation and they're going on vacations and stuff. 
that's that's really disappointing because you like you're just bringing it on yourself like for for us um we can we can just wait it out it's going to be you know a year and a and a season um before you know we have the vaccine in our arms and so for us it's just it's just worthwhile to just wait it out um i'd we love traveling, but and we love going to restaurants, but it's just not worth it at this point. Right, and you know, I I think the you know, I, and so I've had I've had points where I've I've really been frustrated and and just kind of had to step away from people and and things that were going on and and you know look within look at look at my own family my own household and and what are we doing and are we being responsible and and how are we being responsible. Yeah, I was fortunate. Um, I did a I did a piece just prior to, um, actually a few weeks after um, the George Floyd death, and and it was kind of in reference to, it, it was called diversity, and so I was able to sell that piece and donate the money, and so we you know we're not financially well off, but we're doing okay. Um, yeah. we're not we're not starving, um, and I thought you know. I, 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 in good conscience, can't sell this piece and profit from it. Um, that just to me, yeah, just I've, seemed, I've encountered seemed, that a number of. It seems wrong. Yeah, yeah. The, basically, every piece I've done this year that says Black Lives Matter or anything like any, my, my earbuds keep falling out. Sorry about that. Um, anything that is referencing anything. Uh, outside of myself, I don't feel right pocketing the money from that. Um, so uh, I've I've been in the fortunate situation. I've I've donated probably four thousand dollars, I think, to uh, the Greater Chicago Food Depository. Um, anything I do for like voting or Black Lives Matter or anything else, it gets donated because it's just not right in my mind to to profit off of that. And I've also taken that attitude into things that kind of just fall, like sometimes just things like fall in my lap um like i did a uh, goose island who's been a client of mine in the past they came to me and like they wanted me to do a live video thing on uh on instagram and i did it and they donated you know five hundred dollars to the greater chicago food depository and and they were giving 500 to me and after i did it it's like you know this just i didn't really have to do anything for this you know and it was under the uh the guys of being a fundraiser, so I wouldn't feel right about pocketing money. So I turned around and donated that. And I've, I've I've also evolved to you know any any show or anything I'm doing that is a benefit for something. Um, oftentimes it's like we'll give twenty percent to this cause or that cause, and to me that doesn't feel right either because you're kind of capitalizing on people's people's desire to give to these causes so whenever i am doing something like that i'll, I'll donate my 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 take to whatever the cause is because it just it doesn't seem right and and again like i just realized how fortunate i am like you know like i'm not rich by any means but i'm financially stable and i have lived a privileged life in in many ways so it's just there's so many people through no fault of their own are struggling so much more that, uh, you know, it's, I'm not going to, and also I'm not very, I'm not driven by money pretty much at all. So to me, as long as I have a roof over my head and 
you know, I have this lovely little kid and then we have our health. Like I, I, I'm not wanting for anything at all. For sure. What, what occupies your time outside of art? <laughs> well, um, I pretty much make art all the time. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, um, these times are so different. Um, well, like in the past I would, you know, I was social. I went out a lot, but, uh, you know, like I said, I'm in my forties now. And so that, this just doesn't hold as much sway. And, uh, I'm kind of an old dad, but I have a, a 19 month old son and that's just delightful. Um, so basically how my, my routine goes nowadays is, uh, uh, I go down and I make art in my basement as long as I can, and I help out occasionally or whenever I'm needed with uh, my wife upstairs with the kid, and uh, you know come up around four or five o'clock and hang out with the kid and the wife until he goes to bed, and then you know hang out, make art for another hour or so after that, and then you know watch watch Netflix with my wife. That's pretty much the routine these days. Uh, right now, actually, part of the reason we moved down to Beverly is uh my wife megan grew up down here and uh, her parents still live here and they're really involved and really love their grandchild and uh she is actually my, my wife's mom just arrived she's upstairs right now uh she comes over and helps out with the kid a couple times a week so i can continue working it's great so it's just a really nice situation for us but in terms of what i do outside of art it's not a whole lot these days. I I used to kind of dabble in making music and writing, and I have ideas from those things now. But whenever uh, whenever the impulse comes to do those things, I was like, well, I should probably just make art instead because I can actually make money off of that. And uh, my 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 desire is not so much getting rich or getting way ahead. I just don't want to ever have a job again. That's my pretty much the. Uh, the driving force of everything is to not have a job. I, oh, well. I get That's, that. You know, I, um, yeah. And so I was diagnosed with, um, ALS in August of 2019 and it, it ended my, and I had a really successful career as a, as an executive chef. And so it ended that I, I had a, a short run as an artist, um, lost the ability to do that. And, and now I'm doing this. And I was thinking the other day, you know, I was talking to somebody and, and they kind of were slathering on the pity a little bit, like, Oh man, you know, that just really sucks. And da, da, da. And I'm thinking, and I was like, you know, um, I like, I'm really kind of, um, I'm super happy. Like I'm happier than I've ever been. Um, and it was because there are, there are all of these things that I don't have to do anymore. Like I, you get to a point where, you know, the thing is, is, is I'm an artist. And so if, if I can't paint, I can't draw, um, I can talk to other artists. I can talk to people. I can, I can get their stories out. And, and, and the thing is, is, you know, the most amazing thing about what I do is, you know, at the end of this conversation, I will, I will relive it. I will set back and I, I will think about you and I will look at your work and, and I will edit this episode. And, and so you will be on my mind for a while. The most amazing thing is what I will learn about me through our conversation. Um, every single person, every artist, every, doesn't matter who you are or what you do in the world. Um, when we, when we have these open communications, these dialogues, we, if we're lucky and if we're paying attention, we really get to learn 
a lot about ourselves um, in other people. And so one of the things that I found about you that I I thought was interesting is um, you used to work with um, developmentally disabled children. Yeah, well, I I did that for many years. And it was really just a case of, um, like I said, I've always been an artist. And I landed on a job that I could feel decent about, that I could make enough money to survive, and uh, I could do art on the side. Like I, like I said, I've never really been motivated by money, um, and that's not like makes me holy. It doesn't make me holier than thou or anything. It's just like I just it just doesn't do a whole lot for me. Um, so it's like so making money for somebody else was never a big driving force for me, and. Uh, a job I could do and I wouldn't have to take it home. Um, yeah, I've learned, like, I I don't talk about the last organization I worked for just because, uh, I like, the same reason I don't talk about some clients that I don't like. Like, they're, they're a good place for the people that were served by them, but not necessarily such a great place for the employees, in my, in my view. Um, I don't really mention their name. And uh, one thing I've learned since being self-employed self-employed is that you know all the things I thought were like right like I was always kind of a thorn in the side of my boss is trying to like improve things and really opinionated about things and looking back it's like man just shut up dude like why why did you have to be you know so opinionated all the time it didn't really necessarily help things it just kind of aggravated everybody and uh so now that I'm self-employed like yeah I I'm in a position where maybe I could even have someone working for me but I I have no desire to do that. Um, I, if I have an idea, I just do it. It's just me running my business. Um, and that, that's a real relief to me. But like in terms of, uh, what I used to do, um, I, I had the right temperament for it in, in terms of the, the serving the client, but I didn't not, I didn't have the right temperament for working in a large organization. And that's something that I've, just really come to realize I've become self-employed. I think, I think artists tend to be emotional and sensitive. I am. And and so I, you know, I guess I can't speak about in in generalities with, with other people, but I, I am definitely, I can be a little sensitive. And, um, I always, when I, when I was cooking, I would gravitate towards, I really like the small, like mom and pop restaurants. Um, you know, the little just pop-up places and, um, you know, and I had a, I had a really good career and it was, it was long and it, you know, in, you know, there were peaks, there were ups, there were downs. Some of my favorite jobs were incredibly poorly paying. And, and usually it was because there was, they were doing something that I had never done, or there was somebody there who I knew could teach me something, um, that I, I, I maybe couldn't learn another way. And so there were a few times I, I, I actually went in and begged a couple of places for really, really low paying jobs just to, just yeah. to be present. Um, yeah. and that's the thing sometimes, um, just being present, um, you know, understanding your world and, and how you fit into it and how you see it. And, and, and that's kind of what I, what I look at, what I think of when I, when I look at your work is that you are you are seeing the world um, through your own eyes. You're not trying to direct anybody's attention to any specific place. There's no 
There's no rules. There's no, this is how you have to see it and how you have to interpret it. Um, this is, this is the world you live in and how, how do you interpret it? Um, and I think that's a really amazing offering. I, um, I don't want to keep you. I know that you, um, have company upstairs and limited time with that 19 month old and your wife and (laughs) Nate, you, um, you are an amazing guy. I, I really appreciate your work. Um, your words, your sentiments. Um, and so, you know, the podcast is never call me again. I don't know what you're going to do next, but I, I, I am guessing that in the next few years, as, as things kind of balance out and we find a new normalcy, and I I think it will be very new, you know, compared to what we've, what we've had in our lifetime. Um, I would love to sit down with you again sometime. Would that, would that be possible? Yeah, sure. And and thank you so much for having me on the pod. Um, I hope with your illness, you're still able to cook for yourself. Um, and uh, sorry that you're suffering through that. It's a horrible disease. Um, but you, you seem like a, a very uh, thoughtful person. And, and I appreciate being on the show. I appreciate you being here. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate your time. And, and I'm glad you got to hear Nate's story. Wonderful artist, wonderful person. If you have a message that you would like to convey to either either Nate or myself, um, leave us a message down in the show links. There's the, the tab to leave a voice message. Please, please do. You can follow me on Instagram at Never Call Me Again Podcast. Would love to connect with you there. And please tune in on Thursday when my guest will be Valerie Davis. She has an inspiring story about faith.